Hi, Rodney Jane here. At Bob Jane T-Marts, we have big brands and bigger deals. Buy three and get the fourth tyre free on selected Bridgestone, Yokohama and Dunlop tyres. Plus, up to $150 instant cash back on big brands like BF Goodrich, Dunlop, Michelin, Continental, Pirelli and more. Alloy wheels from only $125 and tyres from just $69, all with our best tyre price guarantee. At Bob Jane T-Marts, we'll look after you. Taste and see supply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news, powered by race fuels in association with Bob Jane T-Marts. From supercars to club racing, race fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need them. And fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Each week, multi-award winning journalist Mark Fogarty brings the big stories and talks to the big names. If it matters in motorsport, you'll hear it first, right here on Parked Up Plus. Coming up, Supercars responds to driver censorship claims. Why Triple Eight's appeal hearing will be heard in secret. Retro Formula One Fest in Adelaide. The old and the bold are back. All this and more, straight ahead on Parked Up Plus. Here's folks. Hi there, race fans. The fallout from Gen 3's debut at the Newcastle 500 continues. Shane Van Gisbergen spoke out on social media about being gagged by a person or persons unknown, inciting fans in the wake of Mark Scaife's criticism and Triple H's appeal against his disqualification from the opening race of the Newcastle 500 will be heard in Melbourne on Wednesday evening. First, that appeal. The most disquieting thing about it is that it will be held in secret, with no media allowed to attend to report the evidence that will be presented. Now, this ban flies in the face of an agreement several years ago that appeals tribunal hearings would be open to media, as they are in other major sports like AFL. We hear Motorsport Australia, under whose auspices the appeal is held, was happy for it to be a public case. The suggestion is that supercars vetoed media access because it fears its dirty laundry will be aired as Triple Eight argues it had verbal approval to run a supplementary driver cooling system on the driver's side of their cars. The rules strictly say the location of any driver cooling system has to be on the passenger side. That's the left side. Of course, by appealing the disqualification penalty, Triple Eight runs the risk of an even harsher sanction. The expectation is that the tribunal will deliver a verdict on the night, but if there are complexities, there may not be a decision for days. In the background, there's the ongoing controversy over Shane Van Gisbergen's limited comments in the press conference after his redeeming victory in the second race at Newcastle. SVG was excoriated in the Fox Sports broadcast by Mark Scaife, well, for his apparently petulant performance. What wasn't shown was both the defending champion and third-placed David Reynolds clearly suggesting they'd been muzzled on Gen 3 criticism by supercars officials. 
SVG went further in his social media response to Scaife Spray, claiming he'd be admonished by, quote, top brass, unquote, for his Friday criticism of fierce heat in the cockpit. Unsurprisingly, this has all created the perception that Supercars was trying to gag drivers from voicing their concerns about Gen 3. In the wake of the controversy, Supercars' big bosses publicly went to ground. As Parked Up Plus understands the situation, Supercars' chief executive Shane Howard has reached out to SVG and other leading drivers to assure them they can speak their minds on any subject. Howard wasn't available to comment, but Supercars spokesperson Paul Glover went on the record to deny there was any gag order on drivers. Censorship's a, you know, a long stretch, I guess, from what we do. We understand, you know, where the drivers are at. And as we've seen in reports over recent weeks, I guess, since Newcastle, you know, there's the what's been dubbed the Drivers Association. And we work very closely with the drivers on improving Gen 3. Um, I think, you know, to, to coin a football term, um, you don't win a premiership in March. And, you know, these cars are still getting there. You know, it was great to see 25 of them on the track that did so well in Newcastle. We had no componentry failure, um, but there's still a work in progress and we are working with the drivers. So when it comes to, you know, comments drivers make, no, absolutely not. You know, we want the drivers to give us feedback. We're working with the drivers. We always are talking to the drivers on improving the product. And we saw that through the testing and prototype phase that, you know, when a perfect example of a recent one was, at the test day where you know the name on the screen was too big so we moved it we made it smaller things like that you know and there's other parts of the car the steering wheel where the driver said you know move the move the water bottle over to the right side all those types of things um so we absolutely are working with them to improve gen 3 and you know in no way is there any form of censorship whatsoever on saying to the drivers you've got to tow a line um as it's been put it's just very much you know People want people to understand, you know, outside, I guess, of the communications um, protocols, if you will. People want them to understand the bigger picture. So how do you explain Shane Van Gisbergen's and David Reynolds' comments in the post-race press conference on Sunday where, where both clearly suggested they'd been told not to stay, say critical things about Gen 3? Yeah, I think both, as I said, both are completely entitled to say what they've said in the same way that commentators and anyone else in the sport is entitled to have their say. You know, behind closed doors, I don't know what's happened, but from a from the head of communications and public relations, we don't sit down with the drivers and say, here's exactly what you have to say. You know, if someone else has said something, remember, there's a lot of people at play here. And I think on Saturday, there was a big a bigger picture that people wanted to focus on, which was we had the closest top 10 shootout in history the first time that these cars really put pace together which was a huge story, um, you know, and some people wanted that focus maybe in that direction. I, I can't say myself, but I guess from both drivers, as I said, you know, if they feel frustrated, they, they aired their concerns and it was a way for them to say, you know, they feel like someone was saying something to them. But I feel like that's been addressed. Shane Howard has spoken with Shane Van Gisbergen and, you know, our drivers are always heard on what they want to do. Um, and where they want to take the cars and, you know, their feelings behind the cars. At the end of the day, they're the ones who drive them. So we're always listening to everything they want to say, concern or praise. All very well. But how do you explain Van Gisbergen's charge that he'd been admonished by, quotes, top brass? Honestly, folks, it could come from a, a whole bunch of different levels. It didn't come from me. It didn't come from Shane Howard. 
um, you know, as the CEO of the sport and as the head of communications, it's not like we called Shane and said, hey, toe the line, do this, do that. So I, I, I can't speculate, I can't comment, you know, on what, what text message or what phone call Shane's got. I don't know that. I haven't spoken to Shane directly myself. So, you know, th there would be people there that want Shane to say certain things, but they could come from a range of places. Remember, he represents a lot of different brands um, and he represents supercars. So, you know, that's something for him to answer, I guess. But from my point of view, you know, every time I do sit down with Shane is, you know, I want him to to be the person he is, to be the, the role model he is to young fans. You know, he's such a unique character and, you know, we're so lucky to have a driver of his caliber in our sport who does speak their mind. I can't comment on what other people have done. I can only comment on my own actions and that from, you know, senior supercars management that I work with. Um, and, you know, none of us have picked up the phone and said to him, mate, you know, you need to say that the Gen 3 car is perfect because in no way, shape or form is, you know, is that what we want from Shane? We want him to work with us to find the best racing product. And he's doing that. So just to be very, very clear, there has not been and there is no edict from supercars to any of the drivers, well, trying to gag or muzzle them. Not in any way, shape or form, mate. And, you know, it's from our point of view, we always want the drivers to be themselves and to show themselves off because they're brilliant when it comes to expressing themselves and we need to show them off on a national light. You know, everyone says we need to show off the driver's personalities. We need to stop talking about the cars. You know, we want them to be themselves at all times, no matter you know, whether it's a press conference, whether it's, you know, out and about in front of sponsors, whether it's live on TV, whether it's a launch, anything like that. You know, our drivers have brilliant personalities that we need to show off at supercars and we will always encourage them to do it. It would be hypocritical for me as the head of public relations to turn around and say, no, they have to all be robotic and say exactly the same thing. Nobody wants that. You know, fans don't want that. Media doesn't want that. So, you know, it, it's fair game as far as I'm concerned for drivers, commentators and anyone within the sport to have their say on how they want to improve the product. Meanwhile, Glover confirmed the Supercars Commission met in Sydney last Thursday to review Gen 3's debut. According to the Supercars comms boss, the next few rounds starting at the Australian Grand Prix next week will determine what refinements to Gen 3 are necessary. Yeah, they came together and there was a few things said in the commission meeting, which then goes to the technical working group for Gen 3. Um, but we have to remember that, you know, everybody knew coming into Gen 3 that there's such a difference between Newcastle to Albert Park to our Perth circuit where there's so much degradation, it's a shorter track, to Tasmania where there's so much load on brakes. Um, so the commission and the technical working group are all fully aware that we're going to learn a lot from these first four rounds about these cars, that, you know, that prototype testing and team testing doesn't necessarily show at the same circuits. And, you know, and small refinements will continue to happen. And you know, as I said, there's that driver's association, the WhatsApp group that's working with uh, Motorsport Australia and our own guys. And, you know, they're giving their feedback. So everybody is working together to improve the product. Um, and from that commission meeting, you know, I think everybody's agreed that, you know, we've, we've got a very exciting product to show off internationally now at Grand Prix. And, you know, we'll show that off um, next weekend. And then we'll have a look at what the data says. You know, we'll, we'll get more aerodynamic data from that. And then we'll make a judgment call from that. But in terms of major tweaks from Newcastle, no, there's, there's nothing major that'll be changed. As I said, componentry went well. Um, and, you know, we're, everyone is very happy, I guess, with the debut. 
Supercar's CEO Shane Howard is due to break his silence in a roundtable discussion with key media at Elba Park next week. More after this short break. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast is all in the name. It's all motorsport. Focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a dozen motor racing events each year, but the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most of them. Ah, yes, and if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast every fortnight. You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Welcome back. South Australia's change of government last year saw the successful restoration of the Adelaide 500. And now, the other victim of the previous administration's attempt to dismantle the Adelaide Parkland circuit is also back. The Adelaide Motorsport Festival returns this weekend with a huge entry of historic races performing on the Victoria Park section of the track. Celebrating the popular Adelaide Grand Prix, the festival will star current Alfa Romeo Sauber Formula 1 ace Valtteri Bottas and former McLaren and Ferrari pilot Stefan Johansson, plus host of screaming 1980s and 90s F1 cars. Here's event organiser Tim Possingham on the mouth-watering lineup. People coming to the event can uh, expect to see cars like the Ferrari F156 85s from 1985, and Stephanie Hansen will be driving the car he drove at that first Adelaide Grand Prix here. We've got Alan Jones, Beatrice Lola Hart from 1985. That was the first Formula One car to ever drive on the circuit. Um, and um, we mix some of those cars up um, with later cars, like late 80s cars. We've got Martin Brundle and Stefano Modernus, uh, Brabham BT58s, a pair of them here. Um, we've got some beautiful cars like the Leighton House CG891, the ex Capelli car, um, and um, some more modern cars that weren't seen here, like um, the Brabham BT60B. Uh, that was the last Brabham that the Formula One team ever built. Um, that runs a Judd V10 engine. We're really looking forward to seeing that car run. We brought that out from Europe. And um, some later cars, like we've got an Aries AX3, which is based on an Aries A21. So it's a 2001 model Formula One car based vehicle. Um, and um, that's got a pneumatic valve engine in it. So that's a high revving engine that everyone's going to absolutely love hearing that symphonic sound of that car. So we've got that um content but we also mix it up with forward thinking um uh or a forward thinking sort of philosophy where we've got a lot of electric vehicle content at the event so it's really quite diverse there's 238 cars on track um yes we've got those heritage touring cars five liters um and formula one cars but we've also got brand new electric vehicles from manufacturers as well as an electric wrc car that uh, World Rally Championship driver Hayden Padden is bringing to the event and um, uh, people off track will even see electric planes and oversized sort of electric drones and there's electric surfboards and all kinds of other electric mobility um, that's what makes this event so rich and so flavoursome and so diverse. Valtteri Bossas has a busy appearance schedule as well as doing laps in two very different touring cars. 
Valtteri's going to be driving a, a Group A Alfa Romeo at the event in first up. And that car is the European Touring Car Championship winning car from 1984 or five, I can't remember. And then it went, uh, it was purchased by Alfa Romeo Australia. And then um, it was driven by Alan Jones and Colin Bond. And um, it finished, I think, fifth in the first Adelaide Grand Prix uh, support race um, in 1985. So the car's got some good pedigree. So it's certainly something that um, Valtteri can can drive with um, some, um, I suppose, confidence in knowing that the car's got some provenance behind it. And then later in the day, and this is the thing that Valtteri's most excited about, he'll drive a V8 supercar. So um, we will be announcing uh, a Bathurst winning car that um, he'll be driving. And uh, there's no person better to give Valtteri a bit of a masterclass in V8 supercars than Craig Lowndes. So we'll put Craig in a car as well, and they'll both circulate on track, and Valtteri will live out his... Um, his uh, secret little uh, dream of running around in an, an Aussie V8 supercar. Um, of course, those that follow Valtteri will know that he's really embraced Australia and the, the Aussie bogan spirit and he's grown a mullet and, you know, he plays on that genre at times with some of his social media. So he's um, uh, he's really keen to um, be part of the, um, the, the Australian culture in more ways than one by driving a supercar. Valtteri is a very friendly fellow as Formula One drivers go, certainly. Will he be available to the fans? Yes, so we're going to see Valtteri do a piece at what we call the Grand Marquee, um, and he'll do that uh, at a session in the middle of the day on the Friday, on the, sorry, on the Sunday uh, at the festival, and um, there's limited space. Uh, we're expecting it to be pretty big, so uh, people would want to get in early into that space. And um, uh, he'll be doing some driver signings. Uh, we've got some some cards made with uh, his photo on it and, and the Adelaide Motorsport Festival logo. And he'll be doing some some signings and whatnot, and some short interviews for TV. And um, the fans will get to see him around. And of course, he'll be moving from place to place on event as well. It's since been confirmed Bottas will get behind the wheel of the 2016 Bathurst 1000 winning VF Commodore on Sunday. Tim Possingham says the signs are pretty good that the Adelaide Motorsport Festival return will attract a big crowd. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, it's been five years since we uh, last ran the event, so... Um... And of course, there's people out there that would remember that we created this event in 2014 and then we built it up from an event that had 1,800 people attend it to uh, sort of circa 50,000 people in 2018. And um, a lot's happened since then. You know, it goes without saying that we've had COVID, um, travel restrictions, um, you know, so we've had a big break. Um, we're, uh, you know, we're connecting with old sponsors and suppliers and finding that, some of them have gone out of business during the, you know, COVID quite obviously affected um, the events industry tremendously. So uh, it's been a, quite a challenge. It certainly hasn't been like just getting in the car again, sticking the keys in and firing the thing up and off we go. So, um, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a challenge, but I can say that our pre-event ticket sales are three times what they were 
in 2017. So we're really looking forward to seeing what happens on event. We don't know whether people's buying habits have just changed and they are more savvy with scanning um, uh, QR codes and buying things online um, some five years later than they were back then or um, or whether that's an indication that we're um, in for a, a crowd that's going to be three times what it was in 2018, full stop. Adding to the Formula One nostalgia, Repco has joined the party with Jack Brabham's 1966 World Championship winning BT19 Repco Brabham to be driven by Sir Jack's youngest son, David, and also grandson, Sam. David Brabham, of course, competed in the 1990 and 94 Adelaide Grand Prix, as well as winning the Le Mans 24 Hours in 2009. In our heads, the Adelaide-based revival of Brabham cars, building the BT62 GT Racer. Motorsport Australia's safety rules mean speeds at the Adelaide Motorsport Festival will be limited around the shortened Victoria Park course. I won't say there's a restriction on performance, but certainly there's a number of categories that are purely demonstrative. So they're not timed. Um, it doesn't matter where people finish. It doesn't matter how quickly they circulate. There's a good part of our event that's really just about seeing and hearing cars driven in the manner intended. And um, uh, the Formula One cars are, are just one of those categories. However, there are other categories like the heritage touring cars, the five liters, there's, you know, there's time attack cars, there's Porsche Ren Sport category. that has got a lot of different Porsches in it that they are timed and there's token awards given. But to be um, entirely honest, you know, when we've got a Porsche Ren Sport category that's got Porsche 992 cup cars, and then you've also got a 1972 um, Porsche um, RS, a uh, 911 RS, um, you know, one's not a match for the other one. And um, uh, everybody that takes part in the event really does understand that this is just a demonstration of, of, of the vehicles driven in the manner that they were intended to be driven. The revived Adelaide Motorsport Festival promises to be a big fan fest, showcasing the glory days of what is still remembered as the most popular Formula One event nearly 30 years after the AGP moved to Melbourne. Back after this important message. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at racefuels.com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Formula One in Saudi Arabia and sports car enduros at Sebring headlined the weekend's racing. With his roundup of all the action here and abroad, Here's Grant Rowley, thanks to our partner, Bob Jane Teamarts. The Formula One circus reconvened for round two of the World Championship in Jeddah for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, and it was Sergio Perez who cruised to victory. The Mexican won from pole position, his first victory since Singapore last year and sees him now just one point shy of Red Bull teammate Max Verstappen in the title fight. Verstappen finished second, having encountered problems during qualifying, 
forcing him to start from near the rear. The reigning champ skates through the field to take second, with Fernando Alonso coming home a convincing yet troubled third. The Aston Martin star started the race from outside his grid box and received a five-second penalty that he served during a safety car period for his teammate Lance Stroll, who struck mechanical issues. The podium for Alonso was his 100th in Grand Prix racing, becoming just the sixth driver in history to complete that feat. Australian Oscar Piastri qualified a positive eighth, but damaged the front wing of his McLaren at the first chicane. He eventually came home in 15th. Also in Saudi Arabia was the second round of the FIA Formula 2 title. Aruma Iwasa won the sprint race, while Frederick Vesti claimed victory in the feature race. And also Aussie Jack Doohan finished that feature race in second place. The next round of the World Championship, plus F2 and F3, will be held here in Melbourne, Australia, at the Albert Park Street Circuit. In the World Rally Championship, Sebastian Auger charged to a record-breaking seventh Rally Mexico win. Auger led home a Toyota 1-2 with his teammate Elfin Evans coming home second ahead of Hyundai's Thierry Naval. In NASCAR, reigning champion Joey Logano gave Ford its first win for the year, making a last lap pass on Brad Keselowski to win at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Keselowski was in control in Sunday's race as the laps wound down, but on the final lap, Logano went to the outside and thanks to a push from Christopher Bell, cleared Keselowski for the lead and the win. And on home soil, the opening round of the Australian Formula Ford Series was held in stifling hot conditions at Morgan Park Raceway. Sonic star Matt Hillier claimed two race wins, while CHE Racing Zach Lobko took pole position and the race one win. That's the racing news from home and abroad with thanks to our partners at Bob Jane T-Marts. I'm Grant Rowley reporting for Parked Up Plus. Thanks, Grant. This coming weekend, as well as the Adelaide Motorsport Festival, Aussie Jack Miller begins his new MotoGP bid with KTM in Portugal and Formula E is in Sao Paulo, Brazil. MotoGP will be on Fox Sports and Network 10 and you'll catch the electric races live and ad break free on Stan Sports. And then in just over a week, it's the Formula One Melbourne Grand Prix, also starring supercars and, for the first time, FIA Formula Two and Formula Three. You'll see all that on Fox Sports, with free-to-air coverage also on Channel 10. That's it for now. Back next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley on Thursday for his usual lively discussion on all major racing. And don't forget, Network R's other must-listen podcasts. Danae McLeod and Priya Richards present Girls on the Grid each Monday, and every second Friday, Gary O'Brien and Darren Smith host the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Show. This has been Parked Up Plus, where you hear the big news from the big names every week. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network R production.